the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Christian faith is essentially optimistic. There are, to be sure, accents of judgment and foreboding for a world in rebellion against God. But we are essentially optimistic because we know that things are going to work out according to God's plan. The foundation for our optimism is the incarnation, God becoming man at Christmas. Some might object that the foundation for our optimism is really the cross and resurrection rather than the incarnation. However, Easter is possible because God became man. When God, who cannot die, faces death, death must necessarily be conquered. Because Jesus is God, it is not possible for the life of Jesus to be a tragedy. Jesus suffered stiff opposition, was the victim of gross injustice, and died at an early age. Yet we don't look at Jesus as a tragic figure. Why? He was judged, but because he was God, he eventually judged those who judged him. He was killed, but because he was God, he conquered death. Because he is almighty God, because he is Lord, every bad thing he suffered was turned into good or into victory. This is the pattern of life he shares with us. As St. John says, quote, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. We are baptized into Christ. He lives in us, and we live in him. This means that the stories of each of our lives are like the story of his life. We may be subject to prejudice, hatred, injustice, or random misfortune. But as Romans says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He causes all things to work together for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Because the very life of God is in us, death cannot hold us either. In death we will rest in him, and then the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will rise, just as he rose. The incarnation is a strange, messy, and time-consuming way to conquer sin and death. Many object to the Christian story for this very reason. They want a God who will forcefully intervene now, who will grab the gun from the hand of the murderer, who will reach down and forestall every accident, who will prevent every death. Instead, God quietly became part of this fallen world through a faithful virgin who lived in a small town. 
God himself experienced the evil and death in the course of a real human life. God saved the world not from suffering, but through suffering, so that suffering itself becomes a trophy. This is why Jesus will show us his hands and his side on Easter night. It is a strange, messy, time-consuming, and thorough conquest of every evil thing. Jesus replicates this pattern in each of our lives. He plants the seed of his life in us through the gift of baptism. He repeats and extends the miracle of the incarnation. There is but one body of Christ, the Son of God, but it now consists of perhaps several billion members. The objections are the same. Why does God allow bad things to happen to his people? Why does God allow his people to be killed? Why won't he intervene? The answer is the same, because that's how the incarnation works. He does not save us from suffering. He saves us through suffering. He does not save us from physical death. He saves us through death. It is a strange, messy, time-consuming, and thorough conquest of evil in our lives. It is part of our vocation as Christians to understand that God works in this manner and thus to retain our essential optimism. It is our vocation to see the good that God is doing in the midst of all the evil we see in the world, to see the good that God is doing in our lives in the midst of our struggles, to see how trials strengthen faith, how testing produces patience, how suffering cultivates virtue. As St. Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It is our vocation to be willing participants in the redemptive story God is writing through his incarnate presence in our lives. The great temptation of the world is to be pessimistic, to see only that the world seems to be going downhill in a hurry, to see only that the government is failing or that violent enemies are enjoying significant victories. The devil loves to draw us into his pessimism and despair. You will never make it, he says. The trials are too hard, the road is too long, and the challenges are too great. But the devil is a liar who knows his time is short. Christmas requires of us the optimism that we call hope. As our epistle proclaims, we look for, quote, that blessed hope 
and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The incarnation in which our Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself to become man is the beginning, the first act of our redemption. His glorious appearance as judge of the world and savior of those who put their faith in him is the promised final act. Since we know the ending to the story, we must be full of hope. God has entered the human story. Therefore, it is not possible for that story to end badly. Jesus will resist temptation, conquer death, and share with us the gift of life. Through baptism and faith, God has entered into our stories. If we persevere in Christ, in faith and faithfulness, it is not possible for our stories to end badly either. We will endure our trials. We will pass our tests. Though we will die, yet shall we live. Behold, said the angel, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The good news of Christmas is God born in Bethlehem, the guarantee that Satan, sin, and death will be conquered. And the good news of Christmas is, quote, Christ in you, the hope of glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.